when times in our lives seem confusing and your world appears to be just a little too crazy. Go ahead and take a rest here. Laugh, learn, enjoy a little bit for the lives of others with author and business coach Dennis Mansfield. Then share it with others because joy is just around the corner. Welcome to Just Around the Corner. I'm Dennis Mansfield. Join me as I travel, give commentary on cultural events of the past and the present, and as I review entertainment trends and passions. Hope you enjoy the show today. Welcome back to Just Around the Corner. This is Dennis Mansfield. Glad to have you with us. With me today on this episode is Meg Rowe. Meg, it's an honor to have you with us again. Thanks for having me. Um, I think we're going to be together for three episodes, if it all works out well. Do you mind keeping coming back to the studio and going through these opportunities to share the fun of your life? Yes, let's do it. All right, culture. You know, when I was a kid, um, I grew up in a family that where my first memory of the you know culture was of politics. I was on my father's shoulder uh, when I was just a little over a year old. And we went to, because we lived in Washington, D.C., President Eisenhower's second inaugural. So my very first vivid memory of something that involved people and this thing that later I found out was politics was the president's limousine coming up, my father saluting the president of the United States, who then saluted him back. And then the limousine turned and walked away, or drove away. That was a fascinating thing for me because my father did not walk away. He stood there at attention. And this is both the general uh, of the armies from World War II that he was in, as well as the president of the United States. So it was from that point that I, you know, living in an Air Force family, dad seemed to, to uh, be transferred to some of the most interesting bases that you could be. We, we were transferred to Germany to a, to a Wiesbaden Air Base, which is near the border of France and Germany. And we lived in Zweibrücken. And in Zweibrücken, it was a burnt down, blown up town with brick that you see pictures of German families stacking the bricks. I have vivid memories of that. I'm thinking to myself, I'm lit as a little kid, why do these people have to pick up bricks? That was my experience. People how in far, towns How far up removed bricks. from the war It would have been uh, about uh, 12 years. Okay. Yeah, it took reconstruction was terrible. Yeah, it yeah, was so slow, like it. and and this was a lovely little town. There were buildings that didn't get blown up, and we would go in there, and there were candy shops, and you know, chocolate shops, hot chocolate stores, delicious croissants, delicious croissants with chocolate in them. It was fantastic, and then um, Dad got transferred with the United States Air Force to Texas, and it was the air base that Senator Lyndon Baines Johnson flew into because his ranch was not too far away. He was then elected uh, vice president, and we lived at this Air Force base. And I would go down to the to the uh, line where all the citizens and spectators and fans would stand, the, the rope line. And I would see the president and his wife and their daughters, and, or actually it was the vice president. Then on one fateful day in 1963, November 22nd, John Kennedy was shot to death. Lyndon Johnson became president. And the next time I went to the rope line, it was President Johnson. So as a little kid, I grew up with President Eisenhower, President Kennedy, President Johnson, Everett Dirksen, uh, the president of South Vietnam, George Romney, 
uh, who was the father of the current senator from um, Utah. Yeah, and, and so I was around all them, and I was learning about the politics of personal persuasion. It wasn't uh, so much liberal conservative. You were a Republican or you are a Democrat. You certainly weren't in, in any other party. If you were, you weren't really an American, according to what a lot of people thought in the 50s, not too, too long into the 60s. Things changed. But for me, that was normal. The culture was, oh, go down to the rope line and see Air Force One come in and meet uh, foreign dignitaries. That's so cool. For you, you as my daughter mm -hmm. uh, grew up in a, in a political family, but you have a rare distinction. We talked about it in the last episode, just in, in brief, but you were the youngest lobbyist in Idaho's history, the state that we live in, at the Capitol in Boise that we would go to because I was a lobbyist, you became a lobbyist. Tell a little bit about that. Yeah, it started with me coming and, and helping you with different jobs or different um, errands, going to different offices in the Capitol building. How old were you? Researching. Oh, I want to say I was, I was in fifth grade. I was in fifth grade. I remember leaving, leaving school uh, and going with you to, to the Capitol once a week. And I did that once a week in fifth and sixth grade. And um, I think in seventh grade was when I was joined by other young people, mostly people in high school. And we did a lot of research on your behalf. And I, I got a lobbyist, um, a badge. lobbyist name tag. Yeah, a lobbyist badge. Green yeah, badge. Yeah, it was a green badge. And that distinguished me as a lobbyist. And I was able to go into the lobbyist room and chat with the different people and talk about what was going on in the state capitol building. And you were and, in fifth and sixth and seventh grade. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember there was a big project that we had to do. We did a bunch of research at the, the Idaho Law Library. And um, and learning how to look up different laws in different states in the law library. And, you know, I was in sixth, seventh grade at that point. And I just it's it's funny because I think of I think back and and at that point, I thought I was a fully grown adult. And now I think, oh. I was in sixth grade, seventh grade. <laughs> so funny. Well, you were doing some things that fully grown adults have no clue about. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. I remember we were specifically looking up statutory rape laws and um, compiling a list of of the different laws in the different different states. And um, I learned a lot. I learned what statutory rape was. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just interesting to be a part of a bigger, bigger picture and my research with the other people I worked with was used to create different laws in the state of Idaho. And mm -hmm. um, I remember being being really happy that I was a part of something bigger than just myself. You know, I, I think that's the culture that in our family and in the people who are a actively involved in politics in a healthy way, a way of being in the system. That is, it, it's, the, it's the way that I think America was founded. It's the way the Republic is supposed to work. I will say this. I have this vivid memory of, uh, you know, when, when 
for me, I was in politics and I lobbyist and so forth, but I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't run people for office unless it was on my own time. In other words, uh, weekends or night times or things like that. And so I remember taking you to a victory party of a mayor, a mayor race, and you were very young and the mayor was a female. She came up and she saw you over by the, the, the big table with all the food and, and you could barely even reach up and, and, and touch the food on the table and t- take it off like it was an Easter egg hunt. Sort of, what, what did I get here? And you'd be nibbling on this or nibbling on that. And the, and the mayor, or the um, mayor-to-be, because she was getting elected, I, I remember her kneeling down and saying, well, hi, little girl. She had no idea that you were my daughter. Um, uh, hi, little girl. Uh, have you ever been to one of these before? And it was just so classic. You, you, you just start to, you're eating a thing while she's talking, and you look up and you go, uh, excuse, excuse me? And you wipe the, the, the crumbs off your lips. And she says, have you ever been to one of these before? And there you are. You go, oh, yeah, I come to these all the time. <laughs> and I remember just standing off to the side laughing. Because ultimately, we are supposed to come to these things all the time. Every two years, every four years, it's our job in the American Republic to be involved in a positive way of making change. We don't always win. Yep. But we always win as Americans. Absolutely. Voting. Voting is so important, even if it's just for, you know, the school board or some tiny little little local race. In fact, it's probably more important to vote for the little races because that's where the margins are so much less. But, you know, I just, every time the poll, the poll booth is open, man, I'm there because I think it's so important to have a voice. And I don't think you can complain unless you have said your piece and you've voted. Sometimes we have the honor of complaining and then quieting down. Yeah, I don't think you should complain all the time. But I do think that, you know, if you're going to be a part of America, you should have a voice. And that is the best way to have a voice. And I think being a part of the political world as a youngster, I, I couldn't wait to register to vote. And I just think it's so important to vote. And and not to vote because it's cool, but to vote because you have something to say. Yeah. Thank you for being on this segment. Uh, can we st- have you stick around? Because we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, entertainment in the next And I think you have something to say about that. Let's do it. Let's move on to the next segment. If you ever plan to motor west. Welcome to the Brown Sign Brothers from Boise. We highlight interesting places that most people just pass by at 70 miles an hour on the freeway. Exit with us, won't you? Look up ahead. There's a freeway brown sign. I wonder what it's saying. Travel's an amazing thing. And most people only wish they could travel. Ladies and gentlemen, on this uh, segment of the episode, it's really a challenge. I'm offering a challenge. Uh, Meg Rowe, we're glad to have you in again. Uh, You're joining me in that challenge. We, we, you know, in the last uh, episode, we talked about our individual travels, me traveling as a kid in a military family, you traveling as my daughter, uh, then being married and then traveling and backpacking with your husband and then um, moving in ways all across the world. I mean, just absolutely all across the world. And there are people that listen to this podcast that want to go. They hope they can go. They 
might go, but they haven't gone. Or if they have gone, they were a little scared and they, Tim and they didn't want to do it. And the COVID-19 or post-COVID-19 time, they're like, I don't know if I need to do that. Speak to those people about the benefits that your children have had as they've become travelers. Dora the Explorer. <laughs> yeah, uh, we've taken our kids everywhere that we've gone. You know, I, I the first cruise we went on as a family was for a cousin's wedding. And we probably wouldn't have thought about cruising with kids just because it seems overhyped or something. But it was wonderful. It was so easy. There were tons of childcare options. And our daughter was one when we went and our son was six and five, something like that. And um, and we just had a blast. And that really made me go, okay, we can travel with two kids. We can go kind of exotic places and we can see stuff and we can do this. And we had taken our son different places, but mainly it was to visit family or um, go to weddings or that sort of thing, never just traveling to travel. And once we realized we can do this, it was an aha moment for us. And our kids have gone with us pretty much every time we've traveled and it's so, so fun. And they they know what to do in the airports and they know how to behave on airplanes and we just do it. And I would recommend it to anyone. And in fact, when we went on that cruise, that very first cruise, I really, really wanted to go and it wasn't in the budget. And I looked at my husband and I said, I'm going to go get a little side job. You, I'll make it work around your schedule. You be with the kids. I am going to save money to go on this vacation with my family with them, you know, them, but also the extended family. And I worked for a year saving my minimum wage job in a different account that wasn't attached to our account. And we made it happen. And, I, you know, wonderful. I think if you want to some, to do something and you want something bad enough, you will make it happen. You don't need a new couch or a new car or to eat out all the time. You can squirrel away money and you can make it happen. Yeah, there's probably something going on in our listeners uh, minds right now. Well, that's you. That's uh, that's what you do. That's what Dennis does. Um, but you don't understand our situation. We can't go on an exotic trip. I don't think you're asking them to go on an exotic trip, are you? No, absolutely not. Load your kids up in the car and drive to the Oregon coast or I don't know, whatever coast is closest. I always feel like the beach is the best option. Go to the beach. You're a beach girl. Yeah, go to the beach. Or I guess you could go to the mountains, but the beach is better. So well, go to you the know, beach. my brother Ken and I would say, get in the car and go follow the brown signs. You know, the brown sign brothers from Boise, we've done that for a long time. We just get in, we're traveling, we look, we pull off, and it becomes an adventure right in front of our own eyes. And as time has gone on, it's fun to see, you know, uh, friends and family Start doing that as well. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're making excuses, stop it. If you're thinking I can't do it, stop it. You can do it. It, it doesn't have to be absolutely fancy. It's just got to be a dedicated purpose to go and enjoy. It's true. And you can find different culture in America. You know, if you live in, in the South, it's going to be very vastly different in the Northeast or the Northwest or California is its own special little universe yeah difference and and uh you know it's it's fun to see the different cultural uh i don't know the word i'm looking for 
I'm pregnant, so pregnant brain. Yeah, let's bring it in on that one. You're pregnant and you're still traveling. <laughs> yeah. Well, not anymore. I'm too far. But I did travel this summer. And you know what? It was during COVID and we wore masks and we sanitized our seats on the airplanes and we were fine. There, there wasn't any fear. And, you know, I think of this summer, we didn't travel as much as we normally would have, but we went three different places. Pretty amazing. <laughs> so I guess we still traveled a bunch. You're an encouragement to... Uh, my bride and to me that uh, you traveled, we can travel. We were an encouragement to you growing up that we traveled, you could travel. Yep. And it's our our mutual uh, encouragement to you, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, get in the car, pack a lunch, go off for a day trip. Expand your horizons. That's what we want you to do. Again, thanks for being with us. We're just around the corner every episode. TV. The television is one of the best inventions of human history. See, I told you. The man said so himself. It's a movie now, yes. But the movie's been televised. It's coming to us over the air like radio. George Fulham, let me smell your breath. Movies with Meg today? We're going to hold off on movies and we're going to stay on the idea of television shows. Is that uh, acceptable to yeah, you, Movies with Meg? Yes. Yes, yes. All right. You know, in the previous episode, we talked about binge-worthy shows. And uh, we both talked about some of the examples. Well, I, I brought one up uh, in preparation for today's show, Madam Secretary, which you have not seen at all. Not even one episode. Tia Leone. You know her from being in Family Man with Nicolas Cage. Yeah. And a great time, space-time th uh, thriller, a wonderful, sort of uh, It's a Wonderful Life opposite. Uh, I, I fell in love with her acting, fantastic acting. But I didn't watch the show when it was on. How come? I think I just naturally felt it would be probably a, a liberal bent. Most political shows on television end up being something that Hollywood births with sort of a liberal bent. I'm a conservative. I can't help it. I enjoy it. I'd love to have balanced entertainment on television. And quite frankly, that's what I found with Madam Secretary. Excellent. It, 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 it's a show about a powerful woman who did not want to be Secretary of State. She, she had no desire, and the Secretary of State dies in, an, an, uh, in a plane crash. And suddenly, the President of the United States needs somebody who he can depend on. And she is former CIA and, and an analyst. And she, he felt that, that this, this uh, in, you know, incredibly talented person who happened to be a woman could come in and become Secretary of State. Well, that's the, the start of it. Season one is a fabulous season. It's worthy uh, to be binged. Um, I'll take note. You, it you, sounds like a good one. It, it is. It is very good. And you know, when you get uh, you know Tia Leone playing Elizabeth McCord and and uh, uh, Tim Daly playing uh, Henry McCord, that their chemistry is always a. It's just believable. It's life at at work and then life at home. Do they work together in addition to living together? Uh, they really don't only on a peripheral basis. He is a professor at the War College and he's an ethics professor. Occasionally because of his own military background, he was Marine, uh, Marine Corps fighter pilot and CIA. He was brought into some situations to help 
determine the ethical predisposition of what should be done. Now, when do you watch a show where they're talking about the ethics or the morals or the values of what public policy ought to do? The West Wing is a great show to binge watch. And I, I think mm, you've... I've watched The West Wing. You, you've Tell me about that, because there were things in it where it was very difficult, some of the decisions that the President of the United States, played by Martin Sheen, had to do. Yeah, I just think it was a great uh, snapshot into what it could be like to be in the West Wing, to have to make decisions quickly. And, um, you know, I watched it a long time ago and <laughs> didn't really prep much for talking about West Wing tonight, but what? I definitely enjoyed it. What you did uh, prep for was the fact that you and I traveled across Texas together listening to Rob Lowe. It's true. His autobiography. It's true. On Audible, talking about his time in West Wing. Yeah, he, he definitely experienced some interesting challenges as an actor in West Wing. And um, yeah... I recommend the book, the Rob Lowe book for sure. So entertaining, it is, interesting. He knows everyone in Hollywood. It is a, a layer down that I was stunned by. Yeah. So that really brings us over to the binge issue of books, because there are a lot of people that are listening right now because they're podcast savvy, that are also audible savvy. You enjoy listening to books. I do. But you know who has taken over my Audible account is my 12-year-old. Tell us about that. Every time we get a new credit every month, man, he buys some other good book and listens to it. It's pretty great. You know, I, I actually have been out of the loop on this for a long time because I read my books. But then I had the opportunity in this very studio to record To Trust in What We Cannot See, my newest book. Which and I hear is now on Audible. It is. It was just launched. And uh, Michael Seals. Uh, was the director of it, did a wonderful job. His studio that uh, we record in, it, just absolutely phenomenal. And I listened to the first four chapters today. Yeah? And Excellent. I, it, was, it was very strange because it was an out-of-body experience listening to myself in a story that I wrote that I'm wondering, what's next? <laughs> yeah, there's something great about listening to the written word. Because yeah. especially if it's read by the author, I think it gives it a some sort of life that you wouldn't have if you read it yourself. They're really nuanced um, words that can have emphasis. Mm -hmm. That as as an author, I wanted it to have emphasis on. There were times when I think that uh, Michael, as he edited it, and it was a very arduous um, recording because you you cannot make a mistake until you make a mistake. And then when you make a mistake, you've got to redo it or start over or pause. And the real work isn't in the reading per se, though it, I think we spent something like 20 hours in studio. The real work was done by Michael editing it so that the product that presented to Audible would say, oh, this is absolutely top drawer. And when they did, they sent the notice to us. And I, you know, it was one of those moments where you go, I wish I had some champagne. Because I'd uncork that thing right now. So instead, I'm drinking tea. And I, I want <laughs> Well, congratulations. Thank you. And may, may those who enjoy binge watching enjoy binge listening and reading. Absolutely. Just Around the Corner is a feature of DennisMansfield.com. For more information on the travel episodes, please text Brown Sign Bros, that's Brown Sign Bros, to 72000. 
or brown sign faith to 72,000. Visit amazon.com for books by Dennis Mansfield. I think you'll like them. Many thanks to Michael Seals for production work and for the original music. Acknowledgements to the Traveling Wilburys, to Nat King Cole, and assorted rock and rollers whose songs we occasionally sprinkle throughout the episodes. Kudos to Meg Rowe, History.com, Ken and Colin Mansfield, and my bride Susan for their inspiration and information, for their hard work and encouragement to make possible just around the corner. And finally, a wink and a nod to Kevin Miller in the morning on KIDO Radio, Boise, Idaho. Till next episode, this is Dennis Mansfield.